If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning, and then someone hands you a baby. I like you just the way you are. You're braver than you believe, and stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. Parenting is a sacrifice, it's exhausting, it's expensive, at times it feels thankless, but eventually you die. Welcome to the Kid Doc Good Job Being the Mom podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping mothers and fathers through supporting, enabling, and empowering them in their amazing role as parents. In this last episode on skin, we cover all things related to baby and infant skin. Baby skin is especially cool. Yeah, it really is amazing. Just this baby skin, it's so dynamic and awesome. Are there any challenges to start off as we talk about baby skin? I think it is important to note that although baby skin is just the best, it is thinner than adult skin and more prone to irritation from products that touch their skin. So this would include all lotions, soap, shampoo, detergents, fabric softeners, and they need to be hypoallergenic. Yes, and this theme will come up this entire episode where everything that touches their skin should be hypoallergenic. All products should be fragrance-free and made for sensitive skin. Well, let's start with the brand new newborn. They have been underwater for nine months, so they will lose their first layers of skin. I definitely plan on some peeling for two to three weeks with the worst cracking and bleeding at wrist and ankles. And this can be tremendous flaking since they have been underwater for nine months. And those first layers of skin are coming off no matter what, while they look like they have leprosy. What can parents do for management, especially when they hear in the nursery to not put anything on the baby's skin? I think the advice is well-intentioned because we can find baby products that are not tolerated well. We just don't want potential irritants and having babies absorb the chemicals in the products. I find it interesting that the products made for babies can be the worst for babies. Totally. Are there any options for parents to use consistently? We can safely use the hypoallergenic fragrance-free products, especially where there is a family history of eczema. We do see some benefit from daily use of heavy petrolatum, Uh, based product or heavy hypoallergenic cream in the first several weeks to help prevent eczema. When should the first bath take place? Recommendation for this is the first bath is after 24 hours to prevent them getting cold too early and to maintain their protective layer of vernix for a little longer. Then going forward, how often should a child be bathed? Bathing is only as frequently as needed, usually no more often than two to three times each week. What type of product should we think about regarding their hygiene? Just know that there are many products that are used on their skin for cleaning, for bathing, for skin care. And these can have fragrances, alcohol on wipes, and scented lotions. If anything seems to irritate them, move to a space that is hypoallergenic with sensitive skin products with nothing to irritate. Like clothes, washing products should be free products, cheer-free, tide-free, and draft. Well, let's move now to different skin findings that parents may wonder about. Let's start from the newborn period and work our way back. What is milia? So milia is the little white bumps that shows up on the newborn, like around their nose and those kinds of things, and lasts for about three to four weeks. It is mostly just retained keratin or clogged pores, around that nose usually, and it resolves on its own. 
How about the angel kisses and stork bites? These are a nevus simplex, and we see them as angel kisses on the face and the stork bites at the neck. And they fade in the first year or two. And interestingly, the angel kisses fade well from the face, but the stork bites may stay around for longer at the neck. And later in life, we can still see them with hard exercise or maybe when your child gets mad. <laughs> and when um, you have the common rash that has the name that you don't like. Yeah, erythema toxicum is a terrible name for this rash. It just sounds toxic and scary, but it really isn't. So this is a normal newborn rash that comes from trapped white blood cells, and it shows up in the first few days. You describe it as looking like flea bites, right? Yes, and I promise parents that there are no wild dogs running around with fleas in the nursery, but it looks just like flea bites on them. So, But it will last about two weeks and then resolve, and it will go up in some areas and then um, down in other areas. And it does not bother the baby at all. It only bothers the parents, and you don't need to treat the rash in any way. What other birthmarks show up early? So we'll see a hemangioma, which is a collection of immature blood vessels that become more obvious and raised up by a couple of months of age and will get larger until about one year of age. And then usually involutes at about that time. And again, it's observation only and no intervention is needed. What about the birthmarks formerly known by the name Mongolian spots? So these last until about age one to two, and those are the dark bluish kind of blackish um, lesions that are frequently on the back and lower extremities. I like to document these to prevent a parent from being judged by others because they can look a bit like abusive lesions. Yeah. Well, now let's move to problems that arise with caring for infant skin. The first topic would have to be diaper rashes. So let's start with common irritant diaper rash and go from there. With the common diaper rash, it is located where stool can get on their skin. And it's seen mostly with increased number of stools or if the skin is really sensitive and needs more frequent diaper changes. And some baby skin is just more sensitive than others. Because this rash comes from irritation, the solution to fixing it is to have a good enough barrier. Yeah, I can't emphasize enough the importance of providing a good barrier on the skin while it is healing. And there are various barrier options to help with healing. So petrolatum and zinc are the mainstays of barrier products. Zinc is my favorite because it has some antibacterial and antifungal properties. And you can alternate that with the petrolatum. I like the zinc because it's so opaque. So you can see and know where the protection, the barrier is. So petrolatum, you want something that's um, about 40% strength and it's always non-allergenic, will never cause problems for, for their skin. And you can see things like CeraVe, um, healing ointment and aquaphor. And then the zinc will be any product that has zinc of various percentages. You like the analogy of putting on these products as thick as wedding cake frosting. Yeah, as a barrier, we really need to go big and really protect the skin so that no stool can come in contact with the skin while it's healing. And everybody understands the simile of being thick like wedding cake frosting. And so if you can see the baby's skin between diaper changes, then it really isn't being protected and the skin can get worse every time they get stool on their skin. What about cleaning the skin? Try to keep the area clean and dry with frequent diaper changes. Just remove the soiled area of zinc and then apply some more zinc. And wash your bottom with water at least once daily and give some air time out of a diaper. So we have a mnemonic using ABCDE for skin moles, but this also applies to diaper rash care. Right. You can use A for air, B for barrier, 
then C for cleansing, some mild hypoallergenic products, and D for diaper, so change as often as every two hours, and E is just for education like we're doing today. Great. Any products for extra severe cases? I found this one product called Coloplast, and um, it's interesting, when we were in Denmark, I saw on the side of a building a bunch of different brands that were made over there, and I saw Coloplast, and so I got to have a moment thinking about diaper rash when I was over in Copenhagen. So it's... Uh, <laughs> But uh, they have this called Critic Aid Skin Paste, and it's, they have product number 1944, if that matters too much. But just that Coloplast is a really good, tenacious brand for providing a nice barrier on their skin if they have really bad diaper rashes, like if you're bleeding and have ulcers and everything. Yeah. Any products to avoid? So for for such a long time, people use baby powder, but that's a, a no-no because you can get some talc lung by having the baby breathe that in. You can only imagine kind of pooping that powder on their bottom, which is like only like a few inches away from their face. And so when they, they can breathe that in. And so stay away from the baby powders. And then also in the past, I recommended some mixing some antacid like Mylanta or Melox in with the Desitin. But there's no real data to suggest that it's more helpful it's not bad, but just kind of probably more work than you need. And then I have recommended staying away from essential oils out of concern for some contact dermatitis. And some kids may tolerate them well, and they can be great, but others not so much. And so just you, you kind of gamble a little bit if you use them that it might irritate some more, but not to disparage essential oils. I think they're great for lots of things, but just um, be careful with those because they might irritate some. Are there diaper brands to avoid? You know, it's interesting that there isn't just one diaper brand that can cause the most problems. Some diapers are just bad for some babies and a change of brand can be helpful. Also interesting that a positive change usually is away from name brands and toward generic diapers. So there can just be something in some diapers that irritates the child and it's never consistent with like name brand Pampers or Huggies or whatever. It's just, but it does always seem to get better when they go to generic. <laughs> Well, one thing that mimics common irritant diaper rash is a diaper yeast infection. How does a yeast infection appear different from diaper rash? When you have yeast complicating a diaper rash, you can tell some by the color where it's kind of this beefier red and with little satellite lesions, so different patches that you know, show up. And often they will have thrush as well. Where do yeast infections come from? Yeast is everywhere, and it likes a warm, damp area, which is really the definition of a diaper area. So it doesn't have to spread from any place else, or people did a bad job with their hygiene. It just comes. Yeah. How do you treat it? I would treat topically with Lotrimin or Clotrimazole is the generic name. And that's just over the counter, and that's three to four times a day until it's better, plus a couple of days more after that to make sure that microscopically it's totally resolved. But the three to four times a day is really important because we can see some failures from treating too infrequently. And you can also use some topical ketoconazole as a prescription. Any steps, if not improving? I ask parents to follow up if their rash persists or worsens. And I will add an oral anti-yeast medication, fluconazole, and the name brand is Diflucan. It's a prescription that I'll do for a couple of weeks. Well, last on diapers is bacterial infections. How do these look? Typically, we do see some individual sores or blisters with staph infections after having a diaper rash for a while. And these need some topical or oral antibiotics to help them resolve, if not improving, with the parent's good care at home. And then with strep, we will see this perianal strep, which is a bright red target kind of bullseye right around their anus. 
Another very common problem is cradle cap. And cradle cap is essentially a baby version of dandruff. So we can treat it in the same way? Essentially, I, I recommend using a dandruff shampoo of your choice. There are a few marketed as tear-free. Just be sure you don't use a product with salicylic acid, which is absorbed through the thin scalp skin. But the key is that you cannot just wash the hair with it. It needs to be in contact with the skin for a long enough time to make a difference. So massage it in at the start of a bath, leave it on for the duration of the bath, and then rinse off at the end. The key, as you said, is the amount of time the medicated shampoo is in contact with the skin. Exactly. And then it takes about four to six weeks to see resolution, and I recommend continued use maybe once a week for maintenance. Any other products that are helpful? For resistant cases, I will recommend either over-the-counter hydrocortisone or up to 2.5% prescription hydrocortisone to help out. And then we have a skin condition that shows up just in time for baby pictures, baby acne. Yeah, super fun. And we all know from teenage years that acne is all about hormone changes. And because a baby has the mother's hormones going through them, and then when the cord is clamped, the adult hormones rapidly go away, then the acne comes on. What do we need to do to manage baby acne? Anything? I think observation is probably the best recommendation. We can use the lowest strength adapalene to help with clogged pores if needed and lasting longer than you than you are happy with. And also because eczema frequently runs along with this, go ahead and treat the dry flaking areas with hydrocortisone over the counter strength. How long do we expect this to last? It will last from about three weeks until three months of age with a peak at about six to eight weeks. Well, this wraps up our three episodes on skin. We will have more multi-part episodes to come. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Sam. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to getting together again next time. Kid Doc is available wherever you find your other favorite podcast. If you enjoyed what we shared with you today, be sure to like us and subscribe to help other listeners like you find us. On our website, we will add supporting materials and other helpful items from this and other podcasts. The opinions expressed in this podcast, while carefully considered, are ultimately the opinions of the presenters and not necessarily of our employers or of any other organizations with which we are affiliated. And remember, the content of this podcast shouldn't be seen as a substitute for seeking actual personal medical care. If this is an emergency, hang up and dial 911. Otherwise, schedule a visit with a caring doctor to help with your concerns.